Hello everyone out there. I am today privileged to interview Joel Montague from Most Recently Waitress, but it says on my list that you've also been in School of Rock. Is that right? Falsettos? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I nice. saw on your, I don't know if it was your Twitter or something, you, during School of Rock, did, was it musical little section? <laughs> <laughs> You're on about uh, Jerry and Kevin's musical interludes with, uh, with Nadim Crow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, me and Nadim, well, I can be honest, I've left the show. Um, me and Nadim just used to get really bored um, because what was hard about School of Rock when you, when you weren't playing Dewey was the show was quite long when, when you were an adult because you pretty much did a little bit, came off, did a little bit, came off, did a little bit. And we used to have like a, about a 20 minute break in the first half. And the Dean's a really good piano player, but we, we kind of came up that we do this sort of skit of the gay dad singing musical theater songs or singing homages to stuff. Um, and then we kind of said, you know, it wouldn't be funny if we did it in like a stairwell with just a Casio keyboard. And that's we how the Yeah, we did it in character. We were, we were in our way, I was in my wig and everything. Yeah, so we kind of just did that really. Um, yeah, it was just fun. <laughs> I went through them and I was watching them. I was like, "This is amazing! I've never seen this before." Yeah, we, yeah, we did fifty altogether. We used to do. We used to aim to do like one. Yeah, we did one a week. We did one a week. Sometimes two, but we did one a week because. Um, and then our last one was just sort of us, really. Um, but funnily enough, Nadim spoke to me last week and he said during isolation we should try and bring it back. So we're going to try and find a way of bringing it back, which is just hard because of the the delay. Um, and when you do stuff, so we're going to try and make it work, we think. We'll find a way. Cool. So you've just kind of finished Waitress, well, you have, but not, not through. Well, yeah, sort of, we sort of sadly finished Waitress um, without knowing that we were finishing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely the best job I've done. Um, my most favourite job. And uh, my other favourite job was probably You're in Town, when I did You're in Town about four or five years back. Um, but it was just a great experience and Ogie was just a brilliant character to play um, so yeah it was just it was just brilliant Tom it was just the best time <laughs> well, I saw you on Waitress and I was like this is this is fantastic I've never seen because it was my first proper musical and I've, I've loved musical theatre for so long enough that I was like okay yeah. so I surprised my girlfriend I took her to see it because Sarah Brellis is her favourite in the world and yeah I watched it and I was like, this is amazing. One day I'm going to be in musicals. I hopefully will, if I work hard enough. <clears throat> so, who knows? So, Mate, you've got to oh, keep going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Keep the dream. You gave me some advice. Can you remember, like, I asked you, what was one tip for an inspiring musical theatre? I don't know whether I said something really, really generic, like be yourself, but... Um, the one thing I've always said to people about wanting to aspire to be an actor is you have to try and do everything you can to still be happy. Cause I think that's really hard. It's very hard in a business that's built on rejection, Tom, because every day in one way or another, you are kind of told, no, you know, you're too tall, you're too small, you're too fat, you're too thin, you're not the right look, you're not this, your voice isn't this quality. Like there's so many things and it's kind of, you can be felt, you can feel like you're a punch bag. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I always think 
anyone that's wanting to be an aspiring actor, the most important thing to do is to always try and do things that make you happy, aside from, aside from acting. Because then, whether it's teaching, whether it's, you know, art, whether it's anything academic, whatever it may be, um, it just keeps you a little bit grounded. And it keeps you, it reminds you that not everything in the world is all about theatre or film or TV or being famous or do you know what I mean? It just makes you realise that. Um, I can't remember the exact words I said to you, um, but you obviously, I'm guessing you can. So what did I say? Yeah, you said the, the be happy, the make sure you're being happy. Yeah, being happy I think is the important thing. It's, but it's taken me a long time to understand that. A long time, you know, because you strive for the goal. You always strive for like the next role or the next part. Because I started off as a swing. I was a swing on Billy Elliot as my first job. So I kind of started it. What, what is seen as someone that's off stage, but actually in, in terms of the shows, the swings are the most important people in that building. They're the people that keep that show running. Um, and, and so do the covers, but it's just... Yeah, I think swings are very, very uh, underrated uh, in the West End. On Broadway, they're, they're very highly rated and they're paid a lot of money. Whereas in, uh, in the West End, they're not as much. And I feel like that's something that should, be, uh, should definitely get, get noticed a lot more. So you said that one of the ways you can stay happy is by teaching. And I've seen that on your Instagram, you've been teaching, is it TAP recently? Yeah, I'm a tapper. Like, well, that was my sort of first love, really. My mum, my mum and my auntie have a dancing school. That's how I. That's how I trained at first before I went to Guildford. And um, when I was a kid, I had three inspirations when I was a kid to be a dancer. One was Fred Astaire, one was Gene Kelly, and the other one was Michael Jackson. So, excuse me, if you can take that as a mix, um, I was always very, very into tap dancing. Um, and I naturally had flat feet, so it helped me. So my ballet was awful, but my tap was tap was pretty good. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've got to use it a bit. Obviously, I used it in Billy. I used it a lot in fun, in Funny Girl. When I did Funny Girl, um, I got to tap a bit because uh, the lovely Lynn Page, as a choreographer, noticed that I was a bit of a bigger guy. I was a different shape, and I, and I could dance. Um, so hopefully, there's a couple more parts maybe in in you know the next few years that might let me do that again um but we'll see you know we'll see yeah and um, the thing about tap i think you might see where i'm going with this when i say this but the thing about tap is you need special shoes don't you well yeah yeah you need obviously you need you need tap shoes i have a, 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 a they're actually called k360s they're a capizio tap and they cost quite a lot of money but everyone anyone that wants to learn how to tap you know just get a simple pair of tap shoes and and try and tap away really um that's the best advice I can give. It's not really great advice. I'm not going to lie, but you know. <laughs> so, shoes. Shoes. I saw on your Instagram that you have... I don't know about my shoes. Yeah, I have so many shoes. So many shoes. Far too many. I don't need them all, but I can't say goodbye to them. They're all lovely shoes. Lovely pairs of shoes. Um... Yeah, I think I've got some like 90-odd pairs of shoes, which is just ridiculous. But um, anyone that knows me, especially from college days, my best, I've got my best mate, Bradley Jaden, who's in Les Mis at the moment. He knows me more than anyone. And he knows I'm a shoe fanatic. Shoes, my weakness. Absolute weakness. Mainly trainers, though, actually. Not just shoes, it's mainly trainers. 
I'm a trainer freak. Because there was lines and lines, and they were you've got like drawers, haven't you? Like under your wardrobe. Is yeah, it just just too many, mate. Too many. How did that start? Did you just one day just be like, "These are nice shoes," and then suddenly go? Oh, no, dude! Like, honestly, these have been. This has been years. I just love trainers. I love trainers. I love them. I don't know why. I I think if I ever was, it was funny. If I was ever to turn back the clock, or if I ever was like, or if I ever did get, you know, remotely famous, I would try and do my own trainer line. I think I just love trainers. I love them. So yeah, I yeah, that's it, really. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't really have many musical theatre people that have their own trainer lines, you know what I mean? Many actors that kind of come out and go, oh, I'm going to do this, so, but, you know, we'll try. Well, you, that, that would make it even more unique, so it, it would work, maybe. Absolutely. Excuse me. Absolutely. Well, I would like to talk about Ogie. So, Ogie? Yeah. When you got the part, what did you... What was going through your head? Well, there's a bit of a circle of a story to this. Um, so I did a show before Waitress called Falsettos. And uh, I don't know whether loads of people know this, but basically um, Matt Cardle was supposed to take the part of Mendel and, and had to leave the show uh, due to other commitments, but left the show... Uh, two two weeks into rehearsals so they only had four weeks of rehearsals and i was going on holiday with my mum's dancing school to florida because every couple of years my mum's dancing school goes and dances in in walt disney world it's just sort of a thing that our dancing school does and it's pretty cool and the kids love it and we got on so i woke up on the 9th of august which was the day we were leaving got on the bus got there it was thomas cook flights it was a nightmare it got delayed it was an absolute fail. We finally got on the plane and then um, we started to fly and we were two hours out and then an announcement came uh, on the intercom and the pilot said we had to turn around because there was something wrong with the plane. So we turned back around and we are literally 20 minutes above Manchester and my phone starts going ping, 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 ping. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? I see a text from my agent. I see a text from uh, Tara Wilkinson, who was the director, who was a good friend of mine. Um, I finally get to ground. I ring my agent. And my agent basically said, Matt's had to leave the show. Tara wants you to come in and play Mendel. So I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm, si I'm literally sat on the plane. I'm, I'm sat on the plane, right? So long story short, the, the, the flight gets cancelled and gets taken to the next day. So I basically turn to my mum and I'm just like, look, obviously it's a sign. I've got to do it. So I actually get my holiday stuff, get on a train from Manchester, go down to London and start rehearsals for falsettos the next day. So I had that whirlwind of an experience <laughs> and then all the way through falsettos. And then I booked to go back to Florida straight after falsettos. Um, I had the waitress audition on the Tuesday and this was three weeks before I closed falsettos and I found out the following Wednesday that I got it. So I had to then cancel again my other holiday. Um, but that was a quick turnaround. I think I found, it on the, I found it on the Wednesday. I went into rehearsals on the Friday and then two weeks. I doubled up for a week on falsettos. I had a week off falsettos. So it was just waitress rehearsals and then we opened. So it was, it was non-stop for me, really, which is wonderful as an actor, but it's also quite tiring. 
Um, I can imagine it being quite tiring. Yeah, that's why I think my body went on complete shutdown when we when we finished. <laughs> it was like, thank you, I'm free. It was, oh, it was like, you just went, you know, my body went. So yeah, um, when I got it, I was so excited. I was just so excited because I'd seen the show and I knew Ogie, I knew the part and um, I was just excited to work with the, you know, <clears throat> the creative team of Alex and Leanne and, um, and Kat Woolley. And they're amazing. And then I got to work on stage with my buddy, David Hunter, who I'd not worked with for a while. And, you know, just wonderful people. Sandra Marvin, Lucy Jones, Hannah Toynton. And then obviously later on, Sarah, Gavin, Evie. Um, just really lovely people. Really lovely people. Marisha, shouldn't forget Marisha, she killed me. Yeah. So since you finished Waitress, have you realised that you, have you picked up anything from Ogie? <laughs> amazing, Mogi. Um, do you know what? Funnily enough, cleaning my room that I need to be more of a clean freak. Um, my room is an absolute state, but it's not really a state it's in the sense I leave it in a state. It's just a state because on and off for 12 years, I've lived in this room and from London. So this room's just acquired all the stuff that London hasn't. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, Ogie, Ogie, the one thing I got from Ogie was confidence. Um, he has, you know, when he knew something was right, he followed through with it. And I think, you know, him and I hope one day that I'm in a relationship with a girl that's just like him and Dawn have their own little world, you know, wh whatever that may be. But um, the irony of waitresses is that Dawn and Ogie is the most happiest relationship out of all three of them. Um, and I remember me and Hannah and, and me and Evie, we, we just loved telling that story that they were the happiest couple because they were just little freaks. They loved, they're into the same thing. They, you know, just loved it. And obviously that, that yeah. scene with the chair and the burger bar and it's just hysterical. Like it's just hysterical and, and no one expects it. <clears throat> so we always loved doing that moment because the audience just used to fall about, which was great. The whole of like, I see your songs must be so hard to form because you're running around and the yeah never do you know what it's funny enough <clears throat> never getting rid never getting rid of me was um when we set it i was like oh jesus this is a bit of work <clears throat> and then um you know and i've always i've always sort of um credited myself as being quite a physical actor really especially for a bigger guy um because i think i'm a dance background i i, I can allow myself to be physical when i do stuff um and I kind of went into it and it was like a bit of a marathon. And Matt Rowland, lovely Matt Rowland, who was one of our swings on the show, he also covered Ogie. And he did never get rid in a rehearsal the first time. And he came into my dressing room in before the before the half and he just said, like, babe, how do you do that number? And I was like, I, I, I don't know. I just do it now because it's in my body. But what was great for Matt is Matt is a, is a very, very talented boy and what I call a very fit dancer. And for him to say that, I was like, right, okay, there must be some sort of decent fitness that I've got to, to do that number. Um, but yeah, Never Getting Rid was a lot of running around. A lot. Just, it was just a lot. Props, you name it. It had everything. Opera, prancing around like an absolute buffoon. It had everything. So I do miss it. I do miss that number a lot. I think one thing I've always wanted to know is, 
that right at the end of the song, you jump over a chair and land on it. Was that terrifying on the first time you did it? Because I find that Oh terrifying. my God, Tom, it was the most scary thing in the world at first. Because I was like, because naturally what you do is when you jump over, you think you're just going to land on the table. And you think you're just, all the stuff's going to go. So yeah, it was scary. And I never actually, I didn't miss it. But there was one, there was one show, weirdly enough, and um, our director, Diane Powers, came over for an afternoon and basically, you know, rightly so, noted the hell out of my performance, which is what I expect from someone of her stature. And it was, they were great notes and they were really, really interesting and really good to work with. Um, but I put the flowers on the chair that I normally jump over and sit on. And I'd never done that before. But I think that night, just because it was like, there was a lot of things going on. I did the same thing. I did it in the rehearsal. Leanne, Leanne who was our resident choreographer, Leanne Pinder told me, she went, I forgot to tell you, you did that today. And I was like, I just didn't even realize. I just did it. And so the one time I did jump over the chair and then I was kind of like just sitting in a second, hovering over these flowers because it would just look weird. And then just people just started looking at me with genuine hysterics as if to go, what the hell are you doing? Like, and I was like, yeah, correct. What am I doing? No one knows. <laughs> You can get away with it as Ogie, though, can't you? It's a bit... <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Oh, you can get away with quite a bit, really. You can get what's away with quite the, a bit. What's the craziest thing that's happened to you on stage? Um, I mean, to be honest, nothing major, because Ogie's not on stage that, that much. Compared to the girls, he's not on stage enough. Um, I definitely think quite a few situations used to happen between Sarah and Gavin. They used to get the giggles quite a lot, which was, which was quite funny. Not that I should say that, but they won't care, I don't think. Um, Marisha always used to make me laugh at some point. She'd always make me giggle. Um, but then, I don't know, I think sometimes... Oh, I'll tell you one thing that did happen, actually. Olivia Moore was on for Dawn, and I'd not done it with, I'd not done it with Olivia before. And um, we ended up doing that chair scene. I call a bad idea reprise, basically where we all essentially have sex in three different places. Sorry to ruin it, viewers, if you've not seen it, but go see it on tour. Do and it. Um, yeah. me and Liv had never done it before. And Liv just started laughing through the whole thing. Just, just, we're just laughing and just laughing because you just can't, because it's the most ridiculous thing in the world that you're doing. You can't even sort of comprehend that you're doing it in front of 1200 people sometimes. <laughs> Because it's done in a comedy fashion. It's not even done as if it's serious. Although you're playing it seriously, you know, it's just, it's just one of the most hysterical things. And I remember like day three of waitress rehearsals, Leanne Pinder was doing it with me. And then Hannah was, and it was just like, our job is so crazy that you go, right, and now we've just got to simulate sex on the chair. Welcome. You know, it's like, I've not even barely, I don't even know where you live. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? Do you even know your favourite colour? You know, it's stuff like that. But that's just our world. It's just, you know, that element of trust and respect that you, you give each other. So, yeah. I was watching the show and I was like, my grandma would like this. Got that scene. And I was like, no, she would not. <laughs> yeah, that scene, that seems a bit of a shocker. But it, I think it's my favourite bit of the show. Every time I saw it or every time I was, I was doing it, it was just that reaction. That audience reaction you just couldn't beat because people just did not expect it. So it's great. I another question I have. <clears throat> yeah. If you could sing any other song from the musical, which one would be your go-to one? From any other musical? 
No, from so any of the songs oh, from Waitress. From Waitress. Yeah. Waitress. Oh, uh, my favourite song is What Baking Can Do. That is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, What Baking Can Do. I don't know why I loved it so much. I just did. Um, and you know, I, I love a good and not I'm not an over riffer, but I love a good riff. And Lucy and Sarah used to put some beautiful riffs in there. Yeah, they they yeah, they smashed it. Like they were brilliant. Um but what Bacon Can Do would probably be my favourite, I think. Okay, that's that's a good one. I absolutely love every song from that musical. I think it's uh, so well written. It's such a beautiful yeah. show. And just watching it is... Anyone that hasn't seen it who's watching, definitely go and see it. Absolutely. And you know, I'd also be interested, I don't know whether, I don't know whether Sarah's going to do this, but I'd also be interested for her to like release an album of the songs that never got into Waitress. Um, that would be really interesting. Because I know a couple of the cast did, they did some sort of sessions. And um, I think uh, Stephen Leask, who was the original Cal, he did a Cal song that was cut from the show um, online. So it would be really interesting if she did, if there was anything that she did do like that. Because um, what Bacon Can Do was very different. I think in a live concert, what Bacon Can Do isn't kind of what Bacon Can Do. It's the same tune, but it's called like Door Number Two or something like that. So... Yeah. It's worth any waitress fans, it's worth checking out, but they probably know it anyway. They probably know that more than I do. So, so I think there is an album, first yeah, for Sarah. Oh, yes, gotten. yes, there is. There is, but there was just is that just Sarah doing it? I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, obviously, there's the, the cast recording, and then I think Sarah did Sarah did like a uh, an album, a song from Waitress or, or something like that. She I used did. to remember it because it was always at the stage door when people asked her to sign. So I think she did do one. So I think there's three Waitress albums altogether. Oh, is there? There's Waitress OBC, the original Broadway cast. There's Waitress, yeah. all the Sarah's songs singing them. And then there is What's Not Inside, songs that didn't make it. It's all sung oh, by Sarah. I did not know this. I'm going to check that out. So it's not like it's not like you've got because you've got Jeremy Jordan singing without a believer, but on this one you've got Sarah Brella singing without a believer, Sarah Brella singing door number two. All these demos didn't make it in. Oh wow! I got to check that out then. It's I didn't know amazing. she did that. Yeah, well, it was. That's, it's that, that's bad on me. Oh, well, I think I it was in the last. I think it was in the last year or so, or just over a year. I'm not sure. Oh, but. that's awful. That's sorry, sorry, SB, if you're watching. Apologies, I didn't know that. Sorry. Hello, Sarah Brellis, if you're watching. Yeah, if she's watching. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, all right, I've got a really random question, but I'm going to ask it. If okay. you could be any Disney princess, which one would you be? Any Disney... I see, I'm always... I mean, it's hard, because my mum's favourite is Belle. But I'm, I'm old school. I think I'd go Snow White. But... I'm not really, anyone that knows me knows I'm a Disney fan. I'm obsessed with the Seven Dwarfs. Um, not dwarfs, not dwarfs in general, just the Seven Dwarfs. I'm a big fan of Dopey. I always have been. I'm a huge Disney fan. I don't mind missing it, uh, you know, a, a guy in his 30s at 33 years old. Um, but the fact is, I can't help being a big kid. So, um, yeah, I'd go... I go old school. I go Snow White or probably Elsa, just because she can make things freeze, which I think is pretty cool. And she's got those proper belting songs. Oh, I mean, if we're going down the song route, then you've got to, You've probably got to go with Elsa from Frozen. Um, yeah, you know, love Frozen. 
yeah, Frozen's Frozen's great. So yeah, Snow so, White, Snow White or Elsa, Snow White or Elsa. Talking about songs. Yeah, like we're going the first princess to sort of like towards the last princess. So yeah, let's go with that. So <clears throat> when you say that, did you say you started off? Was it Billy Elliot that sort of started off? That was my first job. Yeah, that was my first job from uh, from college, um, and I was a swing going. I was there for two years on Billy Elliot. Yeah. Um, so, great. Tell us more about that. How it. Um, I mean, it, it was probably the best experience for my for my career. Really, um, you know, I was I was in a cast where it was full of full of blokes that are well, sort of my age now you know, 33 upwards. So we'd had a good 10, 15 years in the business. And, um, and, that's, and that's sort of crazy because I, th- I felt like I learned about six or seven years worth within two years of being there. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I still kind of, I still partly regret the second year of Billy. I think I should have left because I think I was just too young and I think I should have tried to have got another job. But then, in hindsight, you know, I was there for the fifth birthday, which was amazing. Um, one of my billies was Tom Holland, who obviously is now Spider-Man. Um, and another one was Dean Charles Chapman, who was, who was in Game of Thrones, and he's in quite a few films. So those boys have done, not just those boys, but all the billies and Michaels and stuff have done brilliantly since they left the show. Um, so to kind of see those guys grow up in the industry has been amazing as well. Um, yeah, but it was it was an amazing experience, and and I will always treasure uh, what's known as roommate team, which was the boys, which was the boys' dressing room. But it was it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So that started off your career, but before that, can you remember what was the first, like? Were you in any of the shows before you started professionally? Uh, yeah, I remember going down to London, and I remember watching Fame. I remember watching Cats. Uh, and then I used to watch quite a lot of touring shows. Um, I do remember watching Bombay Dreams when Bombay Dreams is in London. Um, yeah, I just lots of touring productions I used to remember. Um, but yeah, I mean, so many different things. I think the weird, the weird, crazy thing is, is that like you just don't you don't think that I, I never thought I was good enough to be in the West End. I just thought I was you know I could dance and I could sing and I could act a bit. I never thought that I would be able to be doing this as a profession um, but I also think there was something useful in that Tom because because I didn't want it so much, it sort of made me uh, relax within myself, so then when I went to audition for like Guilfers and things. I, 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 I wasn't putting pressure on myself. Um, and so I think when I saw shows in London, it, it was just, it was just a nice, it, it, it's an enjoyable thing. I didn't, I don't remember thinking I want to do that necessarily. That wasn't my first thought, if you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. But then obviously later on, you know, later on when I heard about Guildford and when I heard these things, but it's not, it's kind of was never just musicals. Originally I actually wanted to be a film director. Yeah, I was obsessed with film. And I still am obsessed with film. Like, I love watching films. But I kind of think now I would like to be more, I'd like to be more in front of the camera than behind the camera, I'd say. So, 
but we'll see you know we'll we you know who knows what can happen no one knows whatever happens in this industry is crazy so yeah maybe you'll get your own trainer range <clears throat> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly i could call yeah. them i could call them ogies <laughs> you have to get the right ogies. off um whatever it is there. yeah i could call them ogies uh, i just have a couple more questions so yeah. <clears throat> one thing i'm interested to know is if you could have any role, regardless of whether it's a female role, male role, no, no, if there's no stereotypes, no, no, you're too this, you're too that. If you could have any role in any musical or any play, what would you pick? This question gets asked so many times and I don't, I think, I think anyone that's sort of like the, the hero or the heroine or, or is the underdog, I always love an underdog role. Um, so, you know, like your Effie Whites, your Alphabas, uh, this is weird, but probably Burr's in Wild Party, the, the Lipper version of Wild Party, I've always wanted to play quite a dark character. Um, but there's, I think there's just so, there's so many varieties of roles. That's the thing, isn't it? It's kind of like you can sometimes I go, oh, this is my dream role. And I'm like, but, it, but is it? Like, there's so many, there's so many roles. Like, you know, for a bigger guy like me, like I'm thinking of the roles that are coming up, like, you know, Beetlejuice or Damien and Mean Girls or Olaf or... You know, there's so many roles that you'd love to have a go at. But one, there's a lot of boys that are brilliantly talented. Uh, and so you just have to sort of wait your turn and, and wait and see if you're the right one for that role. But if it was a woman role, probably Effie White or Alphabet because they're just legendary. Or even something like Mama Rose and Gypsy because she's just camp. So, you know, why not, really? So, yeah. Um, who wouldn't want to be suspended in mid-air singing Defying Gravity at the top Listen, of the Listen, do you know what I mean? I'm all down to be painted green. Just give me the call. Give oh, me the well, call. Maybe, maybe one day we'll see John Montague in... What yeah. is... Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> I think one show I haven't spoken to you about yet is... Is it Funny Girl? Is that my... Yeah, that my yeah, Funny Girl, yeah. So, mm -hmm. that was... When did you... When were you in that role in that? Now you're asking. I think, I think it was 2015 to 2016, I think, Funny Girl. I think. I could and be wrong. But I think it was, yeah, I think it was 2015 to 2016. And tell us about sort of that role. Uh, about Eddie. Um, yeah. I mean, Eddie was pretty defined by what Lynn and my... So Michael Mayer and Lynn, Lynn Page. Michael Mayer was the director and Lynn Page was choreographer. And I should mention a good mate of mine, Alan Williams, who is the musical supervisor. Um, they kind of... I went into audition for the Ensemble Boys Call. Um, I, remember my, I remember ringing my agent and just said, well, I was a big, big fan of Sharon Smith. I was a huge fan of hers. Like, I love Two Pints of Lager and Packet of Crisps. It's one of my favourite programmes. And when I heard that she was... And obviously, I'd seen her do... L in Legally Blonde, and I thought she was phenomenal. Um, and I've always sort of followed Sheridan's career. And uh, when I heard that she was doing Funny Girl, I, I ran my agent and just said, look, I really want to be seen for the show. I said, I don't know I don't know the show. I don't know what I could be in it, but I'd really just like to be seen for it. So my agent was like, okay, fine. So I went into the Ensemble Boys dance call, and I did the dance call, but all the boys were built very similar to what you would say is a generic dancer tall, slim, you know, 
and there's me, like like a rugby player in the middle of these these ballet boys. Um, but you know, I did the combination. I did the dance combination, and Lim Page sort of looked at me a lot, and and I can't I can't scream enough from the rooftops about Lynn because she's been such a big supporter of me, and she's she, she's just the best person, one of the best people I've ever worked with. I adore her. And um, and she kind of pushed me to be Eddie because I think she saw a bigger guy that could dance just like the other boys. Then she found out that I could tap. Um, and then, you know, she kind of said, what is your thing? And I said, well, tap is my thing. And so she utilized that skill through the show. And I think that kind of helped me make a bit of a name in Funny Girl next to, you know, like Sheridan and Marilyn Cutts and the wonderful cast that we had there um, so yeah uh, well working opposite Sheridan was amazing I mean you know to play her best friend was brilliant and we became very close and you know we still still keep in touch now and yeah it's she she was definitely um, someone that I learned a lot from yeah so we're all going through some pretty crazy stuff right now yeah absolutely and what sort of you're doing a lot like you're helping with you're giving tap lessons to people aren't you on instagram live i've seen that it's yeah so <clears throat> so i do it actually and now do it on my on my mum's dancing school facebook live just because it's easier to save so if you're on instagram live you can't save which is so frustrating or you or i don't know how to anyway i've tr I tried to and it didn't work but basically yeah i'm just doing free tuesday tap with joel if anyone's watching they want to get their tap shoes on it's kind of intermediate advanced so it is quite tricky um but uh yeah it's just something to keep me going keep other people going any any westenders or anyone that's you know that loves to tap to keep them going i think all of us are just trying to do stuff that make us happy and that hopefully make make other people happy and active and and still going and positive you know yeah so um <clears throat> i saw on your instagram as well you have is it a company that you are I forgot what it's called. Is it stage something? Ah, so I've got so yeah. So uh, my 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 company is called Curtain Call Productions, which are based oh, in Crewe in Cheshire, and the other company is called Stage Productions, which I'm directing and choreographing Priscilla for. Um, so uh, Stage Productions are based in Stoke, which is run by a wonderful guy called Jonathan Cliff, um, and um, myself and the MD of the King and I tour, Malcolm Falls Peckham. We run curtain call so we're just doing um well we're about to hopefully go back into rehearsals we're rock you for our youth production and then we are doing shrek in march 2021 and you is it are you auditioning people for shrek yeah we're auditioning people online we're doing like self-tapes basically because of obviously uh covid19 um so we've said to everyone they or they you know they email in for a pack uh, we give them a pack and then in their own time they record a self-tape and send it to us. And that's open to anyone, isn't is it? Is it? Yeah, I mean, obviously anyone that's sort of near crew, it would be a sort of a bit pointless if, um, you know, you're in Carlisle and you were doing it and I'd be like, that's great, but then you can't make any of the rehearsals. <laughs> so, so it would be a bit... Near crew, check out. Yeah, yeah. anyone, anyone in it. Cheshire, anyone in Cheshire or Staffordshire, or Lancashire, you know, would be able to probably probably come. So yeah, yeah. Anyone that's around those areas, there's a link in yeah. your Instagram. I think is that right? 
Yeah, uh, yeah, check out. It's, it's um, Curtain Call Productions. You could just literally go online and it'll be there. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a really good company. I'm very, very proud of it. And, you know, we've had about 20 to 25 people when we start the company go to college, go to colleges, which I think is amazing. It's a great achievement. And um, uh, I don't know if you know, Joel Harper Jackson, he did a few with me before he kind of went on did, and did amazing things and Bree Smith and Genevieve Taylor and Ryan Bear Park, Jess Mullock. There's lots of them that have gone on to college and gone on further. So they're, they're doing really well for themselves. I'm very, very proud of them all. Okay. So I think I've taken up a lot of everyone's time. Everyone watching at home. <laughs> no worries. Um, I think there's, there's just one more thing I need to get you to do before I need some of your Ogie voice. You need to talk to us as Ogie. Yeah, I could I mean I could talk as Ogie. He um he just bored in his house, you know, he don't know what to do anymore. He uh but uh uh yeah, I, I love everybody like a table. I love my dome. She's my most favorite human in the world. Uh but yeah, Ogie's 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 great. I miss him a lot. I miss him a lot. But yeah. So do you have any more advice to anyone just before we finish that might be struggling and think you're sitting at home being like, oh, I'm so bored. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, boredom is, I think boredom is down to, I definitely try and keep myself busy. So whether that's with the company, or whether it's like literally simple things as tidying my room or resorting shelves or, you know, doing anything like that. But also, you know, if people do want to learn a new skill or have never, I think anyone that's kind of had that thing of going, oh, I've always wanted to play the guitar or I've always wanted to, I don't know, speak Italian or whatever. Well, now's the time to do it. You know, now is the time to actually seize that moment and um, carpe diem, as they say, seize the day. So while we're all here, we might as well do that, hadn't we, Tom? You know, just do learn new skills if we want to, but only if you want to. You know, I mean, a lot of people say that, but it's only if, if only if you want to. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise, you utilize your time wisely. Um, so yeah, that's that would be my advice. But also to be to remain positive. You know, try and remain positive throughout the whole thing because I think that's quite difficult in times like this when you're cooped up. You want to you want to be thinking that there's there's an end game, and there is. There will be. There will be. That's some excellent advice. So, thank you for. Let me interview you. I hope that Thanks, everyone mate. has some fun watching this. And hopefully I'm going to have some more interviews coming up soon. I've got a few people planned, so keep your eyes peeled for that. But Absolutely. Thank you, Joel, for letting me interview you. Thanks, mate. All right. Bye. See ya.